actress Katherine Heigl, a passionate animal advocate who has saved over 16,000 dogs, says she's been seeing more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. She believes there's a link between canine health and diet. After extensive research, she developed Superfood Complete, a dog food pack with over 30 wholesome ingredients, including superfoods beneficial for your furry friend. Superfood Complete isn't just about deliciousness, though dogs love the taste. It's about supporting overall well-being. In addition to providing a healthy option for your pet, Badlands Ranch, the maker of Superfood Complete, also supports the Jason DeBus Heigl Foundation, which helps rescue countless dogs and find them loving homes. Dogs across America are trying this food and loving it. Go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 and order right now to get up to 50% off your regular priced order with a 90-day money-back guarantee. If you want your dog to experience all these incredible things, go to BadlandsRanch.com slash MC901 today. In this episode, I have a lot of 911 call and police audio. It's some good stuff. Pretty wide range of things as well. I have some heavier stuff, which actually all of it's pretty heavy. But I also have what dispatchers, well, I think some dispatchers anyway, I'm in that group with them. What some dispatchers would likely think is a fun time at work. More on that in just a bit when we get around to it. So, here we go. Let's get this ball rolling. Welcome back to another episode of Music City 911. No, we're at uh, the I Promise School in Akron, Ohio. Okay. Our friend just got knocked out. Okay. We don't know what to do. Uh, what is your name? My name is Ephraim Stefanko. Okay. Is are, is there a fight happening there now? Hey, man. We're sorry, man. We didn't mean it. Sorry, what was that? Is there a fight going on? Uh, there was. Okay. Are the other people still there? Yeah, it's all good. It's okay though. It's cool now. It's cool now. Okay. Is your friend unconscious? Yeah. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? Yeah. Yeah, he's breathing. He's breathing. Okay. Are you with him now? Yeah. How old is he? I'm not trying to fight though. How old is he? I can't. I can't. How old is he? Hello? Uh, he's 17. Hello, are you still here? 
that's where this call ends. This call, it was one of the heavier ones. What you hear in the call really isn't all that bad. Almost all agencies and dispatchers individually will get a call like this pretty much every day. A call for a fight. Why the fights we get calls on start out, a lot of times we don't know. Sometimes a caller may tell us. It could start out as a full-on road rage incident. Maybe two people accidentally collided their vehicles on the road and both got pissed off about what happened and they started throwing them hands. Then you have the bar fights. Anything could happen like that. But this one, well, it didn't say in the 911 call how it started. All we really could easily hear was this guy and his friends, they got into a fight with a few other people. His friend is knocked out. And then later on, you could hear the caller apologizing to the others and then saying, we're cool. Almost like he is either trying to calm the situation down or maybe trying to just admit to the others that they had won and they don't want anymore. But then the phone call drops off. The dispatcher tried calling back and got no answer. Police and medics were sent to the scene to investigate. When they got there, only the person that was knocked out was still there. Everyone else had left the scene. Unfortunately, the person that was knocked out, Ethan Liming, 17 years old, died a short time later. The events that led up to the fight are also unfortunate because, it seems to me anyway, the whole thing could have been prevented. This all went down on June 2nd, just a few weeks ago, at around 10.50 at night in Akron, Ohio. Ethan and three friends were riding around and using what's called a splatter ball gun to shoot at things and possibly unsuspecting people. This is a very stupid trend that's happening. Kids are doing this and posting videos on YouTube and TikTok, showing them driving up to random people and shooting at them. The splatterball gun, it's a gun that shoots small gel pellets. It also shoots them fully automatic, which means like a machine gun. The rate of fire is pretty high. These gel pellets are not anything that would kill anyone, but they certainly don't feel good when you're hit with them, especially if you're not a willing participant. So Ethan and his friends are driving around doing this, and they end up at a school named I Promise at the basketball court. Reports are a little conflicting, but as they arrive, they open fire on three to four guys that are playing basketball on the courts. The guys playing, just as anyone, didn't like it, and then went over and started a fight. The fight was brutal, and as you heard in the call, Ethan was knocked out. Somewhere after the fight had stopped, at least one of the guys playing basketball jumped in the car Ethan and his friends arrived in and drove it to the other side of the parking lot. The story on that bit is also a bit dicey. Initially, it was reported that the car was moved so Ethan couldn't be taken to a hospital. Later, the lawyer for one of the suspects said they moved the car so the others would have to wait for police, even though they and Ethan's friends all left before police arrived, which was within three minutes of that 911 call coming in. 
This was no simple schoolyard fight where a couple of punches were thrown and then everybody went on their way. Ethan was found with multiple injuries. The medical examiner ruled this a homicide due to blunt force trauma. The injuries included a black eye, a laceration to his head, a broken occipital bone, which is a bone at the base of the skull that connects to the spine and is meant to protect the lower region of the brain, as well as chest trauma, like he was either kicked or stomped repeatedly or hard enough that it left an imprint of a shoe on his chest. Three suspects have been arrested in this, all between the ages of 19 and 21 years of age. No word if there was a fourth suspect involved. The charge is murder, as well as felonious assault. All have pled not guilty. There are some very divisive thoughts on this from me and probably a lot of others in general. Should Ethan and his friends have been out late at night shooting random and unknowing people with this splatterball gun? Absolutely not. Playing around or not, the guys on the basketball courts didn't ask to be involved in this. Fights have started over far less before. If this would have been a simple fight, we probably would have never heard about this. But it wasn't a simple fight. The other bit about this that jumps up in my mind, just like I said before, this wasn't some quick brawl on a basketball court. The fight ended up with someone getting killed, and pretty brutally killed. For me, I said early on that this could have been prevented. If Ethan and his friends wouldn't have been out shooting people with this splatterball gun, this likely would have never happened. But does it give excuse for Ethan to be beat down and killed? Not at all. None of it should have happened. I'm not excusing either side on this one. The charge of murder? I'm not sure if this will set with just the amount of info I've talked about. I'm not the prosecutor, and I don't have the in-depth details police have. To me, it kind of sounds like voluntary manslaughter which Dictionary.com defines as when the accused kills a person but is deemed to have been provoked by the victim as during the heat of passion during an altercation. If you have kids, teenagers, or even know some adults that have these splatterball guns or any type of non-lethal toy guns like this, don't let them go out randomly shooting people. They could also get arrested. If you want to get a gun like that and use when a group of you have them and decide to have a game or a toy gunfight and all are willing, by all means do. Go and have some fun with them. But don't involve someone who doesn't want to be involved. As we heard here, it turned deadly. 21 out of 97, kill us in pursuit of a murder suspect, license plate. We are going to be on... Uh, passing independence on golf. Show us posted. Uh, TC not involved. So this is one of those incidents I was talking about that, for a dispatcher anyway, can be kind of fun. Even though, in reality, it's not fun at all. I've said a couple times on the show before that a bad day for someone else is usually a pretty good day for a dispatcher. It's unfortunate, but in general... People have done the job that I do for as long as I have, and even less time. 
we kind of enjoy it when we get something like this coming in. A vehicle pursuit that can really amp up your adrenaline and get you going. It's usually fast paced and you're not really sure what the outcome is. You never want anyone to get hurt, whether it's the police, the suspect, or anyone that's really not involved in it. So if any of that can happen, all the better. So as we heard there on that, it was a tiny bit of radio traffic. This unit was in pursuit of a homicide suspect. They were in a vehicle chase. There at the end of it, even though it was very brief, the police officer says TC, which means traffic collision. The suspect they were following had crashed out. The next bit of audio we're going to hear is from the body-worn camera right after the crash happened. Hey, stay in the car! Stay in the fucking car! Now! Hands! 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 Get in the car! Get in the car! Hey, what the fuck? Turn around. Turn around. No, no. I have PTSD in me. Turn around. Turn around. Put it out. Turn around. Turn around! Now, grab his hand. 21 right. item 97. Show us code 4. All right. Code 4! Get All a right. fucking back up! Ah! Let go of my fucking hand. Hey. Ah! I'm fucking hand now! Alright! Hey. Back oh. Okay! Now give me another hand. Put me on your fucking back. Independence. Oh. Oh. Come up. Come on. Stop. Now, okay. you're getting a fucking other one. I'm gonna knock your freaking teeth out. Okay, Stop fucking moving. What you heard there was the police pulling up behind a car they were chasing, and then they saw the suspect crawling out and then trying to run away. The two officers chased him and ended up tackling him. The suspect was not cooperative at all. This is a very dangerous situation, and the officers don't know if this guy is armed or what he's going to do. Once officers got him to the ground, they were attempting to get him face down so they could put his hands behind his back and handcuff him. The suspect turned over and kept resisting. At this point, the male officer you heard grabbed him by the neck until they could get a better hold on him, and they did manage to get him turned over and cuffed and taken into custody. Some of the things that jumped out at me there. Number one, this is considered a categorical use of force due to the suspect being grabbed by the neck. Because of that, it's being investigated internally to see if the use of force was justified. I obviously don't have the full training a police officer does, and I'm not sure if this is an accepted method for Los Angeles Police Department where it happened. But I'll say that with the video portion of it anyway, that may have been the only place at that time that the officer could have grabbed him quickly. I'm not sure if the officer's going to be punished for this or not. I can't really say. 
The suspect only suffered minor abrasions from being taken into custody, and I don't think any of that actually happened from him being grabbed around the neck. No life-threatening injuries at all. Everything very minor. Number two. The language used, including there at the end, I'll knock your teeth out. I'm not sure if that's acceptable. I know that from other agencies' videos, and I think even a couple of LAPDs, they may have a felony stop happening, which means guns are drawn, and they say that they will shoot the suspect if he doesn't drop the gun or whatever. Knocking someone's teeth out, or even just threatening to do so while you're fighting with someone on the ground, especially a homicide or attempted homicide suspect, personally, I might be a little bit forgiving about that. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have said that in the same situation, but you don't know either until you're involved in something like that. And third, this is something that both officers and dispatchers need to hear. Learn all of your codes well enough that you hear them in your sleep. There was a problem here with the female officer. Code 4 in other agencies can mean a different thing. In Los Angeles, Code 4 means the suspect's in custody. As they were still fighting with the suspect, you could hear the male officer say, put it out, meaning get on the radio and tell what's going on and where. The female officer says during the scuffle, show us code four. The suspect was not in custody. If there were backup units on the way and they heard code four, they would probably slow down and maybe even stop their response to the call. Almost immediately, the male officer can be heard yelling, not code four, ask for more backup. A few seconds goes by and the female officer does manage to ask for more help. Officers and dispatchers, know your codes in and out so when something high stress like this goes down, you don't have to think about what you're saying. You just say it easily. The suspect, Felix Perez, 25 years old, he is a piece of work. This pursuit happened on May 21st. and the days leading up to this, May 14th, he committed assault with a deadly weapon, a firearm. The next day, carjacking. Three days later, on the 18th, criminal threats. The very next day past that, robbery and attempted murder. All of this within a few short days. The pursuit was done in the car that he had stolen. Oh, and add on to that felony evading as well. Regardless of what happens to the officer, if anything, I'm glad this dude's off the streets, and I'm hoping he stays off for a long time. Phoenix 911, where is your emergency? Uh, um, I'm at... Okay. Isn't it like the, the northeast corner of the uh, intersection? Correct. Okay, then what's the emergency there? Um, there's a guy, like, he's on something outside, and he's banging his head against my car that's parked in the back, and he's got, like, blood on the, on the door and stuff. This call, as well as the next couple, are short excerpts of full calls that were made to the Phoenix Police Department. This caller is reporting a person who she says is probably on some sort of drugs, and is banging, I believe she says, his head against her car, and is now bleeding on the car. 
to me, it doesn't sound like they know each other at all. Another call comes in. Phoenix 911, where's the emergency? 91st Avenue and McDowell at the, that's on the northeast corner. What's going on there? Uh, there's a gentleman that looks like he may be in medical distress. Um, I'm not sure what's going on. I can see that his foot is cut. Uh, he just puked. It looked like it might be blood. Uh, he's been doubled over, hitting his head on the ground, and at one point looked like he was reaching up and trying to get something underneath his pants. This one is about the same guy. The caller is saying that he has cut his foot, vomited, and he may have vomited blood, and was banging his head on the ground. It just keeps getting both worse and weirder. And then another call comes in. Phoenix 911, where is your emergency? North 91st. North 91st Avenue? Correct. Okay, what's going on there? We got a gentleman that is absolutely naked. He is squatting down between cars. Looks like, I mean, he's obviously on something, beating the ground. At one point, he's on the ground, which I have no idea how you can do because it is very hot today. It looks like we've got officers going out there for somebody that was vomiting. Is this the same person? I have no idea. It's an African-American male. He's got a shoe in his mouth currently, pants around his ankles. He's wearing white sneakers. Can't tell you how tall he is because he hasn't stood up. He's pulling his own hair. Now saying he is naked and sitting on the ground, still obviously on something in regards to drugs. On all these calls, they redacted the exact address and name of the business, but this was going on in the parking lot of a gas station there in Phoenix. It's June in Phoenix when this happened. It's stupid hot there. I looked it up, and the low temperature overnight was 88 degrees. That was the low temperature. This looked like it happened right in the middle of the day. The high that day was 111 degrees. Can you imagine sitting or putting any part of your bare skin on concrete that's been baking in the sun in 111 degree temps? Concrete and asphalt in direct sunlight can be anywhere from 55 to 70 degrees hotter than the same in the shade. So this what he was sitting on could have easily topped 180 degrees, and it could have burned him very quickly. Police and medics responded to the scene and immediately, for the safety of the officers and medics, handcuffed the man and then moved him over to a shaded area so medics could check him out. Here's some of the audio from the body-worn camera of one of the officers that went in. Down on the ground, Phoenix Police. I'm going to wait. He's, uh... I'm going to wait until the next shot gets here. He's definitely pretty old. Some sort of two minutes up. Yeah, north side. He's just kind of taking a knee right now. Don't you guys get any weapon hands on him? I don't see any weapons. He's naked. No, you're good, dude. We're going to grab him right now. I'm just waiting for another unit. Thank you. I'm trying to get this up. 
want to grab an arm? I'll grab an arm. Yeah. Hey, don't move. Ah! Hey. Hey. Just walk him. All they care about is their property. Hey, bud, what's your name? What's your name? Without any type of bad incident or any type of resisting at all, police did handcuff this man and move him over to the shade where it was much cooler. This was one of the easiest times I've seen on any police video that someone was handcuffed. As you could hear there at the end, officers started asking for his name, and at that point, he was just breathing heavily. From the start of this, on the very first call, he sounded violent, banging his head on a car. Then later, banging his head on the ground, but then slowly starting calming down and getting more odd in his actions, at one point trying to eat his shoe and taking his clothes off. By the time police got there, he was on that hot concrete, not moving too much at all. When medics got there, they started working on him, and a bit later, police removed his handcuffs when he was deemed to be safe. But his condition continued to deteriorate. He ended up passing out, and later on, stopped breathing. He was transported to a hospital with CPR in progress, and a short time later, the man was pronounced deceased. Details of the exact cause of death haven't been released, and as far as I know, the man's name or any other personal info, that hasn't been released either. I hate it that we, in almost every department, are getting more and more of these calls just like this. Someone acting erratic on drugs only later to be in full-on overdose and then dying. PCP used to be the one that would call someone to act like this. Overdosing now can happen with almost any drug as most of them are now being laced with fentanyl. That mess is incredibly dangerous. Depending on your body size, two milligrams of it is generally considered enough to kill you. That is a tiny, tiny amount. To give an idea of what size that is, if you have a penny on hand, take it out and look at it. Inspect what's on it. Look at the picture the letters, the numbers. The date printed on the penny, which is just a year, with four numbers. Just those four very small numbers. That's about the size of a potential lethal dose of fentanyl. So just imagine a brand new penny. The 2022 that's printed on it. Just those numbers, 2022. That's how much it takes. You can easily put that in anything. Heroin, cocaine, even just a joint. Every single day, multiple times a day, we get calls for overdoses. 
I'm not sure how that can stop. But I can tell you, any dispatcher in America, and likely the world, is now well-versed in when a call is involving an overdose. This next incident, we go back to L.A. While their body-worn cameras have some really good audio, their in-car cameras, I'm reasonably sure that they've recycled theirs from probably like the 1980s or 90s. The quality is not great at all, either in their video or audio.
that was another one that I enjoy having as a dispatcher. If you can't tell yet, I really like police pursuits. If you could tell in that, that there was a ton of stuff going on. That's one of the reasons I like it. It's incredibly fast-paced. All this audio was from the in-car camera from the pursuing patrol car directly behind a carjacking suspect. This pursuit was still a pretty short one, even though if you're involved with it in any way, it feels like it's a lot longer than what it actually is. In this, even though it's difficult to hear with the poor audio quality, they're running at very high speeds in and out of some heavy traffic. And while doing this, the officers, along with their police helicopter, are calling out the pursuit locations and doing so pretty rapidly. There at the end, the suspect tries to drive through a red light at an intersection and hits a couple cars, making his vehicle inoperable. Though it keeps rolling until it finally wrecks out again and stops completely. The suspect then crawls through the passenger side door and gets out, but remains for some reason standing there by the open door, leaving his right arm inside the car. He's holding a gun. It almost looks like he's trying to decide what his next plan of action is, and I can't tell if he's wanting to try to shoot it out with the officers, drop the gun and give up, or just run away. After giving him command several times to drop the gun, he finally decides to pull the gun out of the car, and while doing so, he muzzle-swept a couple of the officers, and at that point, that's when the officers open fire. They all miss, and the suspect puts the gun up in the air, and then runs off, gun still in hand. That last bit, as well as the foot pursuit afterwards, was caught on body-worn camera, which has much better audio. Get out of the car! Get out of the car! Get out of the car! Let me see your head! Let me see your head! Get out of the car! Let me see your head! He has a gun! He has a gun! Drop it! Drop it! Yeah. Three o'clock. You can show call for. 
Suspect gonna be in custody. We're gonna be on Union the suspect runs off and runs in a small alleyway beside a residence and when officers turn the corner they see the suspect has dropped the gun but immediately tries to pick it up the last officer took another shot at him again missing him but at this point the suspect just gives up a security video on the side of the building there shows that as the suspect is running down that small alleyway, he tries to throw his gun on top of the roof of the place. The gun did not make it up there, and that's when he stopped and tried to pick it up again, and at that point, the officers rounded the corner, taking another shot at him. The suspect in this is 43-year-old Jamie Vendeville. He was taken to a hospital for injuries related to the vehicle collision. He was also wanted for assault with a deadly weapon, carjacking and in addition to that a fugitive warrant with the united states marshals they added a few more charges onto this as well after all this went down three counts of felony carjacking one count of felony evading and one count of felony hit and run like i said i do like a good pursuit and i like it a whole lot more when officers are not hurt and the suspect gets in custody that's going to wrap this one up. Before I go, I have a trailer for another show for you. This one was done by a couple of friends I met at CrimeCon, and the show is legit from top to bottom, I gotta tell you. Have a listen to this. Coming up in Season 2 of Stop the Killing. The top five countries in firearm ownership rate ranked highly in mass shooters per capita. If you would have told me that a Columbine could have happened at Columbine, I would have said, no way. I remember just thinking, he's got a gun. Something rose up inside, and I said, not my school. If I was a terrorist, and I knew that the chance of me getting slotted in less than eight minutes is extraordinarily high, then the message that sits by that is, come and shoot, and you're going to die, because we're going to come and deal with you. What we can't underestimate is the power that individuals could have in stopping these school shootings. My little boy, Alex, was murdered. If we can fix the failures, we can save lives. And this guy calls up, and he says, Principal D'Angelo, I just killed my stepfather and I'm going to carry out a school shooting. I hope that this was a prank call. And he said, Frank, I don't know how to tell you this. We just found his stepfather dead. My daughter, Elena, was killed. She'd want me to do something about this. I know she would do something about it. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and be the first to hear season two of Stop the Killing. So the show is called Stop the Killing and it's hosted by my friends, Sarah Ferris who has about a thousand other podcasts she does, for which I don't know where she gets the time for all of them. And the other host, Catherine Swite, who was the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. As I said before, legit from top to bottom. Have a listen. Jump on my social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, and especially the Music City 901 podcast discussion group, over on Facebook, as I'm going to do things a bit differently for this episode. Usually I put the corresponding videos in the show notes. This one, I'll link them in that discussion group. Best be joining. Come on over and help the show out at patreon.com slash musiccity911. Sign up for ad-free episodes and bonus content as well, 
that I've started adding on with more to come, along with a couple other benefits. I'd like to thank the current patrons I have, which this has been long overdue. Patricia, Natalie, Carly, Jessica, Heather, Lindsay, Stephanie, Laura, Brian, LeMay, Carrie, Priscilla, Shannon, Nicole, Kristen, another Nicole, Rodriguez, Rodriguez, and last but not least, Florida Mama Llama. You're all very special, and the love for the show you give is incredible. Thank you all. And I know I took a week off from the episode last week. I can say I was pretty busy with a lot going on regarding the podcast, but also got a little bit sick there at the end of the week. I'm hoping my voice wasn't too terrible for the episode this week. Luckily, before all that hit, I got a very unique opportunity. I was on Court TV discussing a case right here in Tennessee. It was pretty exciting, and I'm hoping I get the same opportunity again soon. I'll link that in the show notes, but if you're already a member of the discussion group, you would have already known that. With all this content, I wonder if I should join the group. Hmm. Hint, hint. So until next time, for Music City 911, I'm Brandon, and y'all have a good one.